0: This is KMTT, Kim Itzei Torah. In this winter semester, we'll be sending out a series of shurim on understanding minhagim, different minhagim of uh, Rabbanim in the last uh, couple of generations. It'll be delivered by Harav Benjamin Tavoy. Today is my father's Yaitzai. So, I'd like to dedicate this year to the Nishmas Rav Tzvi, We call Avelus in a euphemism Hilchas So, perhaps it is appropriate to discuss today Minhagim of real Simcha, Simchas Nesuin. We're going to discuss specifically Minhagim of the Gra and other things that I saw chasan as when Rav Soloveitchik was Masada Kedushin. The idea of Nisuin is basically understood as bringing the Kala into the Rishus of the Khassan. There is a great Machlokas Rishonim what exactly is the Nisuin. Some people think it's the Yichud, that's the opinion of the Rambam. Some people st- think it's standing under the chuppah. Some people even think it's taking her to the yichud room. We won't discuss the various opinions, but they all have one thing in common. The basic idea is that the chassan, the kala, enters the rishos of the chassan at the time of nisuin. Erosin is a formal Kenyan where the kala and the chassan actually become what we would call today Halachically engaged, not what the world calls engaged, but she's a real Ashish. She's Asura Kuli Alma, like a regular ish, like a regular Ashish. The difference between Aresin and Nesu'in is basically a conceptual idea that Erison, the Kala, lives still with her family, whereas at Nesu'in she moves into this She moves into a house together with him. How that's done exactly is a, uh, I said, a shown Rishonim. But what's interesting is that according to the Vilna Gong, and this is somehow done today by many B'nai Torah, they think that since the bracha of Nisuin is done at the Chuppah, it would be appropriate for the Chassan actually to rent that place to, th- that it should be considered his rishus. In the originally, people used to get married in the chater of the bet outside the uh, the shul. There used to be a, a special place where people used to get married. Since that belongs to everyone, perhaps you didn't really require a kinyan. The idea was that they gave the lechatkhila they they gave rights to every Hassan to that land when he gets married. But since today we get married in wedding halls or hotels, the chassan really should rent the place of the chuppah where they make the sheveh Now, many people have the custom of renting the room where they make the sheveh, where, where, where they have the yichud. And again, the concept would be he's entering it, she's entering it into his rishus. But our concept is that to rent the only the yichud room whereas the gon thought you should rent the place of the chuppah of course that would depend upon the Machlokas between the rambam and the other rishonim according to the rambam the main idea of nisuin is the yichud room so therefore the yichud room should be rented however the uh, general idea of the vilna gon is that the chuppah itself is the is the nisuin and therefore, the Nesuin should be rented. Most people don't, aren't, never thought about this problem. And I never really saw that the Rabbanim are Makbid on this point. But apparently, the Vilna Gom was Macbid, not only in the Yichid room, but more precisely on the room where the chuppah actually took place. Another interesting uh, idea of the gom, as opposed to other customs, is when the adim have to sign the ksuba. Let's just remember that when in chutzlare it says the way I remember it, the the ksuba is always signed before the wedding at the chasen's tish they make a fuss about the Ksuba, they, they write it, they sign it, they look at it, etc. But in Eretz Israel, many people have a custom of signing the Ksuba as they read the Ksuba. They get up to the place where it says they make a kinyan, and then they actually do make a kinyan, and the adim sign it under the Chuppah. In terms of the decorum of the wedding, the American uh, minig, which is a uh, minog prevalent in Eretz Israel as well, but that minig of signing it before makes the chupa run much more smoothly. They, when you read the ksuba, you just read the ksuba, and you don't interrupt for the reading of the ksuba. Whereas you, go, you have to get a pen, and you have to the edim are standing up, and somehow they have to hold the ksuba in a rather awkward fashion and and sign it. It's just uh, runs more smoothly the way you do things in Eretz Israel. The Vilna said that the Aden can sign even if the 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 husband told them to sign. Usually, you you think they they have to certainly see the Kenyan, the Kabbalah's Kenyan, they have to see. It wouldn't be sufficient to say, well, the the husband said, go ahead and sign. But Vilna Gaon said that's sufficient, as long as the husband told them to sign. He also said that there is a custom to write the Ksuba, to sign the Ksuba at at the Tish, even though the ksub is not into doesn't go into effect at all, and it's not considered as if a lie, they sign the Ksuba as if they are getting married, but they're not getting married yet. It's going to be a little later. They didn't do anything about getting married. They didn't do even do Evesen yet. So we have a custom that one person uh, reads it out loud. Now in the Shulchan Aruch, it's interesting that the Shulchan Aruch says in, in Simen and Vav, that a person can sign, can be Mitchayev on the Ksuba, even though he he's penniless. And that's based on the Tulsus, so the beginning of the 5th paragraph of Ksubas that we're not going to go into. But here, the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah says, EIN LA EDIM LACHTOM LECHATAN KINYAN You should not, the EDIM should not sign the Ksuba, unless the Chassan already made a Kinyin. Baze. The Ramos says there are some people who, who are making the Vilna Gaon said that is okay. Now, the Eidim who sign it at least should listen to what it says. Now, there's a question, do they have to read it themselves? How can a person sign a shtar and testify, and he doesn't even know what it says in the shtar? From my experience, many years, I've seen many times the Edim just sign the, the ksuba. They just assume that's fine what's written in the ksuba. Perhaps the custom of reading the ksuba out loud is to make sure that the Edim actually at least heard what it says in the ksuba. But in the, in the Rama it says if the husband told them to sign, even if they didn't hear the reading, it's okay. But then he adds an interesting reason. Afal pi It's not proper. They should have at least heard what the ksuba says. minhagam. We, sh- we do not have to change this custom. We shouldn't cast aspersions on the ksuba that many people did it before. Now, see, this is a general principle in halacha. Certain customs that were done for many, many years, as long as we can't say they're really, 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 really wrong, then we would say, if today we're more machmir than they, sometimes will create a situation where people will say, oh, that ksubah is no good, that ksubah is no good, the Eidim didn't read it, they didn't sign it properly, they signed it without hearing what it, what it said. So therefore the Rabbah says that even though it's not proper, that's fine. At least, not to, not to deviate, not to change, from the original ksubas, and to say that what they did was was wrong. Someone came up with an interesting su- suggestion that the idea in Yerushalayim is generally to sign the ksuba under the chupa. Now the ksuba that's written in Israel is a little different than the ksuba generally used in, in Chutzarets. In the ksuba in, in Chutzlarets, it doesn't say a word generally. About where to live, but in Yerushalayim, sometimes there's a clause in the Ksubah to live only in Yerushalayim, or at least not to leave Eretz Israel. So some people think that is better to sign it after the Erisin, because before they're even married, that might be considered a, a type of a Davar Shalom Bala Olam. But I guess you could, you know, raise. Arguments pro and con for this. The general impression is that the Edim should read the Ksuba before they sign it. They should listen to the Kriyasa Ksuba. And to sign it under the Chuppah is the Minig in many places in Eretz Israel. The custom also is that the Edim who signed the Ksuba watch the delivery of the Ksuba from the Chasen to the Kala, as Eidim Mesira, as it were. I once asked Rav Lichtenstein, why do you need Eidim to see the Mesira Saksuba? There is a concept in Halacha of star Kinyan and star Raya. Shtar Kinyan is a a Shtar that affects the Kinyan. star Raya only proves things. Now the Shtar... Ksuba is a shtaraya. The kinyan was made by the chassan and whoever accepted on behalf of the kala that they made a kinian that the chassan hit chayev. he took upon himself the obligations written in the ksuba. The ksuba only proves it. You don't need to see Mesira of a shtar ksuba. If she has it then the, the shtar in her hands is sufficient proof. It, what? Nothing was created by the mesira so why do you have to have Edim? by the Mesira. So this is an interesting question and Rav Luchedin's answer to me I find even more interesting. Rav Luchedin said, it's true, it's it's true that you don't have to watch the Mesira of Ashtar Raya, but nevertheless, why not do it? This is the way we do things, this is the way it's done at Chassanus. And you see from here that sometimes the customs of people should be recognized and done even when, somehow, according to the world of Halacha, you might not really need it. Another example of such a, a, a concept is something that I saw when Rav Salavachik was Masada Kedushin, and today you see it more and more. Before the chuppah, the there's a minig that the chasan covers the face of the kala with a with the with a veil. It's what we call the Badekin. Now the Badekin is a custom that's an old custom. It's even mentioned in the Shulchanarach and the Mefarshim. At first glance, it's a prelude to the Awisan and the Suin. And therefore there is no halachic merit to the Badekin. However, we found in the Halachas, interestingly enough, in Hilchas I won't go into the details how we found it, why it's in Hilchas that somehow the Badekin is considered the beginning of the Hasana. So, if this is really true, it could be that the Badekin is another way of saying that the Kala has entered the Rishus of the Chassan, as if he puts a garment over her, and somehow bringing her into his Rishus. And if that's true, in a certain sense, the Badekin could be considered nusuin. It would be very unusual, because in this case, the nusuin would precede the Erosin. The Erosin obviously takes place under the Chuppah, when the Chassan gives the girl the ring, and and says the words, Hareyat, etc., So, that's obviously the Erosin. And here we're saying there is an opinion that the nisuin took place first. Okay, there is such an opinion in Ilchas Havelus, and it's worth knowing it. On the other hand, do you need Edim for the Badekin? Before we do that, we have to go to two steps. One, to say, is the Badekin really halachically meaningful? And secondly, even if it is, ...could be considered Nesuin, do you need Aden for Nisuin? It's well known, and Rav Salvechik has written this in a footnote on the Hespid that he gave for his uncle many years ago. The Rav wrote that the difference between Aresin and Nesuin is that Aresin is a formal type of kenyan. You have to do it in a certain way. Nesuin is not a formal kenyan. it's a different status... It's as if, simply in Israel today, the girl would write in her two that that she moved from one Rishos to another Rishos. You have to do something to affect that change, but that's really what happens. So, if that's true, there's no Das, there's no Kenyan at the time of nisuin, so you don't need Edim at nisuin. Now, we are Machmir to have Edim at, a, at the Yichud room. Outside the Yichud room, we always have to aid him. And that is because of the opinion that nisuin does require aid him. But let's remember that Rabbi Salavachik really, really propagated the theory that you don't need aid him for nisuin Now, at the Badekin, the Badekin is even a bigger Kiddush, because the Badekin really is nothing at all. Ella, we found some opinion that the Badekin is nisuin. So, if you combine both ideas that the badekin is nisuin and you need eidim at nisuin, then you would require eidim at the time of nisuin, of the badekin. And I've seen at weddings that Rav Soloveitchik really did that. He used to appoint eidim, what we call miached eidim, or actually he told the to be miached eidim for the badekin as well. The theory was that Rav Salvechik was Khoshesh for these combination of shitas, but other people once suggested to me that Rav Salvechik really just wanted to bring this to the attention of people. He it was a Shir rather than a psa kalacha. He wanted to show people that there is an opinion that Badekin is nesuin, there is an opinion that nesuin requires aid him, so why not do it and get this idea over to people. Not necessarily that he really thought that you have to pass in this way. One of the famous issues that was raised by uh, people who saw Reb Chaim being Messiah was the idea of drinking at the time uh, from the coast of Erizin. Now, you see, in, if you study carefully in the Rambam, and I think this is the way Reb Chaim understood, that the idea of Nisuin, the idea of having Shavibrachis, wine was an integral part of the Shavibrachis. And therefore, the Bracha, Baripya Gephan, is one of the Shavibrachis. It's really a din that you should have wine by Nisuin. But by the Arisen, it seems from the Rambam that if there is wine, fine. But not really that you have to go look for wine to make a berachas So therefore, the bracha on the wine seems to be a regular berachas That when you ever you make a bracha on wine connected to something else, one really has to discuss: is it a bracha, a berachas like kiddush on Shabbos morning? There, there's no. Extra bracha, you're really just making a birchas But Friday night, when you make kiddush and the baripiagefen is part of the idea of kiddush, then it could be the the birchas the the bir, baripiagefen takes on an added dimension. It's not just considered as a birchas but it's actually part of the kiddush. They actually they're obviously different halachas whether whether regarding this issue. To go back. If we would assume that the bracha is a birchas Hananin, so the, the rabbi who makes the birchas Hananin really should drink from the coast In the birchas hanesuin, since it's part of the sheva brachas, and it has, as I said, a different dimension, so you can understand that the Brei Brei need not be said who, whoever says the Brei Brei need not drink from the wine. But at birchas HaSairusin it would seem that the Rabbi who is Masada Kedushin should drink from the wine. They say that Reb Chaim did that. Reb Chaim used to drink from the wine at the at the Chasna. When he was the Masada Kedushin he would drink from the wine. They wrote that he did this in such a, a way that people wouldn't you know, look at it very str- strangely, so he used to spill a little bit of wine on his hands, and he used to just uh, lick the w- wine from his fingers, and that was sufficient for Berb Geffen. There are people who deny this uh, tradition, the Afi a very famous Sefer, quotes Reb Chaim as doing so, and uh, other people have suggested that they saw Reb Chaim being Mestadi and did not do this. Uh, I don't know what the Masorah was. I do know that when I saw Rav Gusman, Rav Gusman was the Rosh Hashiva of Netzach Yisrael, the author of a number of Svarim called Kuntrusei Shiurim. He was Nifter a number of years ago, and interestingly enough, the Svarim are still coming out. They're printing from tapes and notes. They're printing Kuntrusei But I saw Rav Gusman being Masada Kedushin, not when he was a young man, and I was very impressed by. He made the he made the, he was Masada and then very very quickly, very very agile in an agile fashion, he took a, a cup from someplace in his kapata. He, he wore a long coat and poured a little wine into the into the cup. gave the rest of the cup to the chas and the kala, and very quietly by the side, he drank himself some of the wine. Apparently, Rav Gutsman also was of this opinion that the Masad HaKadushin should drink the wine. At very few weddings that I've been to have I seen this custom. Other people have raised the issue of the amount of drinking that should be done. Generally, the Chassan and Kala both take a sip. Now, one could discuss how much do you have to drink in order to... Consider the kos, a bracha, which should be drunk. How much do you have to drink? I once saw that a chassan took this very seriously and he drank a shiur, a real shiur. I guess he thought that kosal bracha requires drinking and the drinking should be a real shiur. But then he realized that he has to make a bracha achrona. Now, a person should make a bracha achrona seated. So I actually saw at one particular wedding that the chassan sat down after the chuppah, before he went to the yichid room, and sat down to make a bracha achrona. A lot of uh, talk and discussion has surrounded this particular issue, whether you really have to drink from the coast, how much you have to drink from the coast, the rav should be drinking from the coast. but I'd like to mention again, specifically I was talking about the rav drinking from the coast of erasin, but not from the, the cross the suin doesn't seem to be the same problem. This whole issue, of course, is predicated upon the assumption that the Rav, Masada Kedushin, is the one who made all the brachas. This issue really is an interesting discussion among Rishonim. You see, there's a famous machlokas between the Ramam and Rush about the nature of the bracha of Erosin. The Rambam says that the Birchasa Eresin is a Birchasa mitzvah, and he says, for example, that when you make a Shaliach to do the Eresin, so he should make the Bracha, or in a normal case where the husband himself is, is there at the Chasana, so he should make the Bracha. The same way you would make a Bracha on a mitzvah, you do make the Bracha before you do the mitzvah, like you do in other in other mitzvahs. So it's fairly clear in the Rambam that the bracha of Awasin is a ha mitzvah. The Rush in Ksubas, disagrees and thinks that actually there is no mitzvah in the Eurusin. He feels the real mitzvah is puravu, puriavarivya or priya orviya. And therefore the Arasin itself is not a is not a mitzvah. So, the bracha and the arisen, according to the Rush, is more what we would call a birchas birchas hodah. It wouldn't be a birchas hananin at all. What would be the big difference between the Rush and the Rambam? According to the Rambam, the chassan should make the bracha himself. According to the Rush, really, who should make the bracha? It seems that anybody who's there who feels the Shevach Hoda of seeing a Chasson Kala build a new house in in the nation of Yisrael, Binyan, Bayis Chadash, I'm Yisrael. So those people should be imbued with a simcha, with a feeling of Shevach V'odah, Tarkadosh Baruch Hu, On Mekadosh Amo Yisrael Ade Chupa Vikidushin. So really then, the Rav is fine if the Rav makes the Bracha. Whereas according to the Rambam, it seems very problematic that the rav should make the bracha. In various communities, in the what in the in the real Sephardi world, what we call edot hamizrach, the custom was always that the chassan makes the bracha himself. In teiman, this was definitely the custom that the chassan makes the bracha. Since in teiman they always followed the custom of the rambam. In general, the Ashkenazi Jews, and today, I think it's prevalent all over, the Rav Masadur Kedushin makes the bracha for the chassan and perhaps for the kala as well. The Noda B'Yehuda, in a famous tshuva, in the beginning of Evan says that he saw a tshuva of the Rambam, that if the rabbi... Makes a bracha, or not just the rabbi, anybody who would make the bracha, other than the chasan, would be considered a bracha levatala. Since the, the it's a birchasa mitzvah, the only reason I can make a birchasa mitzvah for someone else is because of arvus. That's only if I'm chayiv in that mitzvah. I'm not chayiv in the midst of Kedushin. So, there's no idea of arvus for the bracha of Kedushin. And therefore, the Ramam said in the tshuva, according to Noda Bihuda that it would be a bracha of I once was at a wedding that Rav Kapach was the Masada Kiddushin. Now Rav Kapach who put out many swarm of the Rambam, he put out a whole edition of the Mishnah Torah, was a tremendous expert on the psak of the on the Rambam. He was also the leader of the Temanik community and at this particular chasana, he said the bracha. He was Masada Kedushin. I went over to him after the chuppah, and I said to him, I thought in Teiman, the custom was that the Chassan makes the bracha. Now this is a temani Hasana. How come you made the bracha? And he said to me, in one word, somehow we became used to the customs of Israel, and we changed our temani custom. And he did not put it in a positive light. It's Kalkalno. I said to him, okay, you follow now the custom of uh, gen- of most people in Eretz Israel. But according to the Ramam, it's a Brachel How did you make a Brachel His answer was that the Ram didn't say it's a Brachel The Ram just said it's appropriate for the Chasim to say it. But I said, but there's no W that quoted such a tshuva. And Rav Kapach, who was very familiar with everything the Rambam ever wrote, said that he does not know there's such a tshuva. In all the writings of the Rambam, he never saw such a tshuva. And therefore, he felt, at least the minhag Yisrael, he could follow the minhag Yisrael. There was once a chasana of one of the Talmidim of Yeshivat Haritzion, a very, very fine Talmid, a real Ben and he knew all the sugyas of Erisin and Esuin. So before the chasana, he told Rav Lichtenstein that he would like to be Masada Kedushin himself. He would uh, certainly want other people to get kibudim, and he wanted Rav Lichtenstein to be there very much, but he said that he would like to make the bracha himself in accordance with the Shita Sarambam. The way I remember is that Rav Lichtenstein told him that he would not accept such a practice. Since the general custom is today that we all have a Rav who is Masada Kiddushin, Rav Luchinzim felt it would be smack of you, Ara, if a person would do something that's so different than other people and somehow show that he's really, really, uh, in a sense, considers himself superior to other people, Rav Luchinzim certainly did not agree. When Rav Soloveitchik was Masada Kedushin, very often, if he saw a big Rav, uh, Rav Moshe Feinstein, or someone of that nature, there aren't many people of that nature, but if he saw Rav Moshe Feinstein, very often he would give the coast to Rav Moshe Feinstein and say that he should say the brachas. Sometimes the Hassan was not really happy by this practice, because he wanted the rav to be masade kedushin, and the rav said, "Used to say I was masade I took care of everything. I, I did all the arrangements that have to be made, and I just gave somebody else the kavod. So the masade is not the person who says the bracha. The masade kedushin is the one who made all the arrangements. I made all the arrangements. I still don't think that the chatanim were very happy with the rav's practice in this respect. They wanted the rav to be masade kedushin and not." be مخبث someone else